I'm Jenny Carlson. I'm Barry Trammell. Welcome to the Jenny and Barry Show. Joel Embiid has missed 14 games this NBA season and now has undergone surgery that quickly will have him surpass 17 missed games, which would make him ineligible for the NBA's postseason awards. That's good news for Shea Gilgis Alexander's MVP candidacy, but is it good news for the NBA? We'll talk about the ramifications of the NBA's response to load management. But first, we want to say a big thanks to these sponsors for supporting the Jenny and Barry Show. The Oklahoma Ford Dealers Association, MidFirst Bank, Next Gen Roofing, Two Fellas Movers, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, 988, Oklahoma's Mental Health Lifeline. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. And let's face it, a box of pizza and a case of beer just don't work like they used to. Nobody wants to help you move. We know two fellas who love moving. At Two Fellas Moving Company, we offer free, no-strings quotes for your move. With more than 20 years' experience, we've pretty much moved it all. Our services don't end up moving either. Need to do some remodeling or spring cleaning? We've got you covered with dumpster rentals and junk haul services. Remember, all the quotes are free and there are no strings attached. If you're moving in Oklahoma, make sure to call the fellas. Visit twofellas.com for your free quote today. All right, Barry, as we sit here on Tuesday, Joel Embiid has had that, that knee surgery, meniscus. Uh, Sunday evening came the announcement that he was under going to undergo the procedure on his left knee. To this point, I've not heard anything that indicates he's done for the season, but obviously that's a fairly significant situation. Sixers say he will miss an extended period of time. He's going to be reevaluated in a few weeks. This all impacts the MVP race, obviously, as you mentioned before, with this new league rule, 65-game minimum to be eligible for postseason awards. And there's no chance at this point that Embiid gets to 65. That rule, obviously, we didn't know who it was going to impact. We figured it would impact somebody at some point. But what about this rule? Is this a, is this a misplaced rule when it comes to these postseason awards? I don't think so. Um, I like the rule. It works on a couple of on a couple of fronts. Um, you know, at the fundamental core of this rule is protecting the NBA's television partners, who basically bankroll the league. And when when the Seventy Sixers go to Denver for a primetime game on ABC Saturday night, and all of a sudden Joel Embiid doesn't play, uh, ABC's not happy. Same with a big TNT game, and. Now, Joel Embiid clearly is injured. Nobody could do anything about that. But uh, the load management, the resting guys, that has, uh, that has ramifications when it affects the big-time games. Uh, this is one way to, uh, to motivate players to play more, is to make them ineligible if they don't meet the 65 limit. Now, there are, you know, there's some, there's some uh, downside to this rule. You have players that uh, may feel pressured to play. You, know, you, you may have guys that play. Embiid, you know, conceivably could be in this club. Guy who doesn't feel right and still plays. So, but the NBA had to do something, and I think this rule was a good start. Maybe it needs, maybe it needs a little tinkering. Maybe it needs more discussion. But the NBA had to do something to minimize the number of stars sitting out of games. Yeah, I think in Embiid's situation, you know, 
in my mind, the voters on the the MVP and frankly, all of the awards, I think we've talked about this before. It's a very savvy voting pool. I mean, for the most part, you've got folks who cover teams, folks who cover the league. They're obviously very aware of, you know, who is playing at a high level. So I think the fact that Joel Embiid, this wasn't like, to me, it doesn't sound like he's going to fall a game or two below that 65 game threshold. We're talking about a fairly significant um, lack of games for him. So I think in, in his case, to me, I don't, I don't see a situation where he would be in the running just because he's not going to have played enough. Now he's playing at a very high level and we'll talk about that in just a second, but um, you know, you're right. I, there's been so many times that guys have missed games, have missed national broadcasts of games, and I get the load management. I mean, 82 games, if you're really playing for the end of the year, the chance that you would need to rest your stars is pretty high. Even a team like the Thunder, with a young group of players, they have rested um, guys. Now, I, I think you may have had some situations where there was maybe a slight tweak or you know something wasn't quite feeling 100%, probably like it would most times, especially late in the year with guys that have played uh, you know, these long months of the NBA season, they're not going to be 100% healthy. So you're going to have aches and pains. But maybe earlier in the season, you do sort of find time to rest guys um, and, and play it safe when it comes to those games where they might not uh, – they could have played uh, if push come to shove, but they decide not to. But I think in Embiid's situation – you know, it's not obviously he, he's going to fall well below that. And then Barry, I mean, that that brings Shea Gildas Alexander up at least a peg in the MVP race. Um, you know, I don't know if Embiid's a slam dunk necessarily to win MVP, but uh, he was scoring a league leading 35.3 points a game on pace to join Wilt Chamberlain as the only player to average 35 points, 10 rebounds and five assists. This guy's having a heck of a year. It's just too bad that he really can't stay healthy, Barry. Yeah, it is. You know, he's sort of had the star-crossed NBA season, sits out his first two years uh, out of Kansas before he before he gets to play for the Sixers. And with all the drama around the James Harden trade, uh, the, the James Harden intrigue, and they go ahead and make the deal. People didn't know, well, you know, wasn't the greatest of deals. Did they get enough? Do they have enough? Well, they come out and play very well. Tyrese Maxey uh, becomes a star. Joel Embiid plays unbelievable. He's, his season is not has not been respected enough. Joel Embiid is actually scoring. Uh, Will Chamberlain averaged 50.4 points a game in 1961-62. Joel Embiid is scoring at the same clip as Wilt Chamberlain per minute. I mean, Wilt Chamberlain played over 48 mm -hmm. minutes a game in 1961-62. He didn't come off the court. That's not really uh, viable in, in the 21st century. Joel Embiid's averaging, you know, he's averaging a point a, a, point a minute, uh, averaging what, 35 minutes, 35 points. We haven't seen a season like this in forever is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think he was going to win the MVP uh, ahead of SGA, ahead of Jokic. Uh, before the injury, because the Sixers were in contention, they were playing well. You know, it's just uh, another chapter in the Joel Embiid sort of sad saga. Yeah.
Yeah, for sure. You mentioned this before, the, the rule of, uh, you know, the, the game minimum and, and why it's there um, and sort of could it have some unintended bad consequences forcing, you know, injured or hobbled or less than 100 percent players to play when they might not feel like it? I haven't heard that that's happening yet, Barry. I don't know. Is this just is it a matter of time before we get to that situation or? When you're talking about stars, when you're talking about guys in the MVP race, sort of feel like they're going to direct the boat when it comes to this stuff. If they don't feel like they can play, I don't think they're going to play. Maybe I'm wrong, but that could be an unintended consequence, but I sure haven't gotten the sense like it has been yet. I know we're early in it, but I haven't seen it yet. What about you? Well, to me, this is a rule that has shifted the burden of, of motivating players to play it shifts the burden from the teams to the player. Um, if you know if Joel Embiid is not eligible for All NBA or if he's not eligible for MVP, that really doesn't hurt the the franchise. It hurts the player. So the player is the one who has to sort of weigh the uh, the ramifications. Is it worth is it worth playing? So um, this has been an issue really since the Spurs invented load management ten fifteen years ago. And uh, Greg Popovich often would would sit his stars, Tim Duncan or Kawhi Leonard, whoever it might be, on a on a primetime game, TNT, and uh, the league would be outraged. And Greg Popovich did not, nor does not care. So uh, the league felt hamstrung. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And they tried to make the schedule. I think I think the league could improve the scheduling um, if you've got. Uh, when you, when you schedule these primetime games, the, the the TNT doubleheaders, the ABC games, don't make them part of a back to back. Just yeah. when you make the schedule, that's a blackout date before and after. Those guys, so uh, those kinds of things would help. But I do think this helps on the uh, on the player side. I think if you're SGA and you were you were facing a potential uh, minimum or a minimum number of games for for awards i think you'd be motivated to play more i think same with uh with joel Embiid in philly i don't think he wanted to to not win the mvp i don't think he wanted and i i think he cared if he makes all nba yeah maybe Kawhi leonard doesn't but most players do so i think it was a good faith effort by the league to find a way to get players to play it may need some tinkering it may need some some revamping, but I do think the league is serious about uh, its players playing. You know, uh, who was it? Last week, Denver comes to town. And Jokic, Jokic didn't, didn't play. play. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, there's a, there was a story out about, you know, there's a big Denver fan in the Oklahoma City area, bought tickets for this game. Just, you know, their son wanted to see Jokic play, and he doesn't play. That's bad PR for the league. But – that's just life. Sometimes things don't go the way we want them to, but you know, some kid in Oklahoma city, the league can live with uh, some network called TNT upset. <laughs> they can't live with. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I remember uh, Kobe Bryant's last year in the league, the Lakers came through Oklahoma city twice and it was their final road game. So his final road game he played, but the game before there was a huge, you know, hubbub. People were excited. I think it was maybe a Saturday game so people could, you know, it was weekend. People could get there. People from out of town could get there. Lots of people paying, you know, big money to see Kobe. And a few hours before the game, 
Lakers announced he's not going to play. And Kobe, to his credit, he did a, a media availability before the game, which when you're not playing, that's not a mandated sort of thing. He could have easily not done that. But part of what he did was say, I understand. I get it. I'm sorry. I, you know, I wish I could play. So he was, you know, as stars uh, all go, I thought he was pretty forthcoming about the why. But it didn't change the the, uh, the the fact that people who came to see him play instead got to see him sit at the end of the bench. So it's not the same. And you're right. I mean, I think it does affect fans, but more than that, it affects that TV audience. And um, you were talking about Popovich, and my favorite uh, aside to that was when he didn't play those guys as they got a little bit older in their careers. It was a, DM, a DMP. I, I don't even think he put coach's decision. It was just old yeah <laughs> just but old and that's what appears on the on the uh, play-by-play you go find those box scores from back in the day and still see dnp old and so that yeah that was the original load management and obviously it was great for the spurs because they won tons of championships but now as these tv deals are bigger and bigger and bigger and they're going to continue to get bigger TV needs to have some sort of idea that we're going to get these guys on the floor. We're going to get to see these matchups. So the idea that this rule could be rescinded, should be rescinded, I can't imagine it, Barry. I don't think the TV networks would allow it. I think they like, they can't know for sure, but I think they like having a little bit more of an idea that they're going to get to have these guys on the floor. Yeah, and you know, the networks have looked at things like, um, you know, a decrease in the rights in, in the payment they owe if certain players, you know, as uh, we're paying you a million dollars less if if uh, Joel Embiid doesn't play in Denver or, or something like that. And the truth is uh, the players don't really care about that. Now, overall income for the NBA uh, means the salary cap goes down by a fraction. That really doesn't affect anybody. Um much less a Joel Embiid. So those kinds of things don't don't really work. Uh, but trying, you know, taking the carrot away of an MVP or an All-NBA, I would think that does work. Most players like that status. You know, you know Indiana is uh, – uh, Tyrese Halliburton is playing 20 minutes a game, uh, or was, and as he's, you know, sort of coming back from an injury because he wanted to be in, uh, in contention for whatever might be out there. In a previous year, he might just say, you know, I'm going to sit for the next four games rather than piecemeal it together game by game by game. So uh, 20 minutes of Tyrese Halliburton, if you're an NBA fan, is better than no minutes. So uh, I think it's working. I think the rule had some unintended consequences, perhaps, but I do think it's working. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, obviously... I don't think anybody in the NBA, you know, wanted Joel Embiid to to be sidelined for a big portion of this uh, season. Obviously, a guy like that you want to see play. Um, but now it begs the question: with him out of the MVP race, what what now? I mean, we've talked about Jokic a little bit. He seems to be the favorite amongst the odds makers. Obviously, SGA, Giannis, Luca. Um, guys like that that are kind of always being in the conversation. But as it relates to Shea Barry, Shea Gilders Alexander, what's the strongest case for him? I mean, obviously he's playing at a really high level. The Thunder are playing at a really high level. But as you look at what he's done to this point and what he has a chance to put on, 
put on tape, put on, uh, you know, box scores. What makes the strongest case for SGA in this whole conversation? I, I tend to think there's, uh, there's about three great points. One is this. Um, he's the leader of a breakout team that's very young. And this is a team that went from, from uh, you know, lottery tanking two years ago to the play-in tournament uh, last season, now to number one in the West as we approach the All-Star game. And he is clearly the, the engine that makes the thunder go. Um, number two, his season is historic in its efficiency. He is producing like very few guards in the history of the NBA. Most great guards, even the all-timers, the Kobe Bryants, uh, the, the whoever you want to put on that list, do not have the efficiency numbers of Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He's over 50% shooting. He's remarkably consistent. Uh, a guy that – guys who score 30 points or more uh, do not shoot over 50% unless they're big men. It just doesn't happen, and yet it's happening with SGA. So it's, it's historic in what he's doing. And, and number two – or number three is just his overall quality play. He's, he's good on the other end too, very good. You know, blocking shots, uh, leads the league in steals. Yeah. That's not the greatest mm -hmm. indicator of defensive prowess. But when you put those together, um, it's a pretty formidable uh, stat. And plus, he's playing good foundational defense. So he's just an all-around star, highly productive. And, oh, yeah, his team is on fire. <laughs> and I don't know what else you could want out of an MVP candidate. Yeah, it's a strong case. Um, he's going to – Jokic, though, I mean, you can't argue that he's – unbelievable talent. I mean, you're looking at two guys that are, you know, we've talked the, the, the unicorn phrase has come up as it relates to Chet Holmgren. But when you look at these two guys, they're unicorns in their own right. Maybe not as physically such, but the way they play is it's, 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 it's their own unique way of playing. Um, Jokic, uh, you mentioned, uh, Barry, the, the high uh, point average SGA uh, before the Utah game, as we sit here on Tuesday morning, he SGA sits at 31-3. Jokic is a little lower, 26-3. So advantage to SGA there. But in a lot of other categories, uh, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, rebounds per game, obviously, Jokic being uh, a bigger guy. E but even assists per game, Jokic is higher than Shea is. So e as unique as a game as Shea has, you've got this, this big man who handles the ball, who distributes the ball, um, you know, just a, really, it's going to be interesting to see as these two teams, uh, obviously the West, there's still a lot to shake out in the Western Conference, but where Denver and where Oklahoma City finish could have as much of an impact on the MVP race as anything, because I think if you are paying attention and you look around the West, you see that you know, even though there are teams that have started to separate, there are so many teams that maybe even out of the playoff, uh, uh, if you looked at the standings today, that are going to make charges. We know that there's going to be teams that are really talented that are going to make this interesting. So if Denver, if Oklahoma City, 
if one of those teams can finish at the top of the West, I think that's another feather in the cap for these two guys as the MVP race comes down because they both have things about their stat lines, their, their seasons, their averages that frankly are eye popping. You know, you look at it and you just think, you know, how can this be true? How can a guy that, you know, is that big play that much of an outsized role in running the offense in Denver? How can a, a player uh, of Shea's, you know, stature, you know, really not, um, you know, a big guy, how can he get, how can he get so many point paints? How can he be that efficient? Uh, there's just so much about both of these guys that I think is fascinating. Um, and then I think, Barry, there's the issue of, you know, Shea, obviously first team all NBA a year ago, but he's not really been in this MVP conversation to this point. And the guys that I mentioned before, whether it's Giannis, Luca, who hasn't won one, but it's been in the conversation, uh, Jokic, Embiid before he gets hurt. These have kind of become the names that percolate up there every year. So is Shea up against more than just players? Does he have to sort of be in this conversation for a while before he elevates to the point of actually winning the darn thing? I actually, I don't think so. Um, for instance, what, what you described is sort of the, the team as well, right? When we talk about NBA title contenders, do they have to go through it? suffer the the bumps and bruises of a playoff run and uh, learn to be experienced and rugged and all those things. The answer is probably that's the way it works. We've got a long history of that. I don't think the same thing holds true necessarily for players. I do think there is a, there is a route for SGA to win the MVP. I think people recognize his game. I think they respect his game. I think the thunder uh, playing at such a high, at such a high level, uh, puts him in that. The Thunder was, I don't know, sixth seed in the in the West. You know, he's not in this condi- in this uh, in this discussion. But at number one in the West, he's most definitely in the discussion. And his play, you know, the one thing I don't like about MVP discussions is when you make a case for one guy is if you slip into the denigration of the other guy. Right. I got nothing bad to say about Jokic. Unbelievable player, epic player, Hall of Fame player, mountain mountain peak player, yeah. uh, the likes, the kind of player we've never seen before. You talked about his assist rate and all that. I mean, he's just – he's playing a game that we've seen very few, maybe zero people ever play. If Jokic is the MVP again, hey, you know, I salute him. So I'm not – I'm not trying to to debate between the two guys. I'm just saying SGA is historically uh, productive himself. He's on a great team that's got a great story. And it's a great story because of their leader, SGA. So he's as valuable to Oklahoma City as Jokic is to Denver. Uh, We're splitting hairs here. We usually do when it comes to an MVP in in, in most uh, professional sports. So uh, I'm good. At, you know, I, I won't cry foul if Jokic wins. I won't listen to cries of foul if SGA <laughs> wins. Yeah, I would say either one would be a very worthy uh, a very worthy MVP. Now, I think it could come down to who finishes higher in the West, Barry. Mm-hmm. I think if one of those two teams wins the West. I think that could be the determining factor because like you said, it is hair splitting. And if one of those teams finishes one or two and the other one falls to 
four or I mean, I don't know, out of out of home court advantage. I think that might determine it. I to me, if they if they keep playing at the same level and we've got no indication that they're going to let up, I think it comes down to who finishes higher. I think that wins it or loses it for one of these guys. No, I I think you're probably onto something there. I I sort of do. Now, if there's one game difference, you know, maybe not, but I do think I do think where you finish does will matter to the to the voters. And remember, they vote as soon as the regular season's over. Ballots will be in long before uh, the playoffs start, so we, we'll have to wait a little bit to find out what happens. But yeah, the playoffs the playoffs won't be a factor. Fascinating stuff. We'll continue to follow, obviously, SGA season, the MVP race, lots more. But that's all the time we've got this week. We've got all sorts of Thunder coverage at selloutcrowd.com. And you can find all that stuff on our pages as well, our columns, our videos, podcasts, our barrytrammell.com and jenny-carlson.com. And if you want to see content straight in your inbox, you can sign up for our newsletters. It's easy, free. Just head to selloutcrowd.com and opt in. This happens to be your first time hearing or watching us, be sure to subscribe to our show on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.